Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. I'm excited to hear about all the things that we have coming up to do with Christmas. Um, has anyone got their Christmas decorations up already? It is Advent. So, oh, Katie. The only one. <laughs> just, just single over. Anyway, it'll be coming up soon, I'm sure. But as we talk about all the events that we've got on, the carol service, the pub carols, um, I'm really excited to be thinking, to be praying about who in our community can we invite to come along and join us. And I think I was thinking, what have we done in the past few years? And I remembered... We haven't had a normal Christmas since 2019. Um, And this is our first um, Christmas as Reddish, as Reddish Church here meeting together. Um, But in previous years, um, we've had to wear masks, we've had to social distance, we've had church online sometimes even, and Christmas was very different. And I'm really excited this year to to really meet together, to to invite people in and to to share Christmas together. And I don't know if you're a bit like me, but when I think back to to that time in 2020 when everything was all very different, some of the things that we were doing were really weird, weren't they? It's quite mind-boggling to think um, the way our lives changed and the things that we adopted and the things that we were doing. Um, Did anybody here know what Zoom was before 2020? No, neither did I. I think everyone has pretty much heard of it now. Um, the first time I heard about Zoom was when someone invited me to a yoga class on Zoom. Um, I did go. It was really weird. I'm not going to lie, just doing yoga in front of the computer. Um, I didn't go again. Um, um, and I know for sure that I don't go on anywhere near as many walks as I did on 2020. in 2020. We used to go out for that daily walk every day, didn't we? Um, I definitely got more fresh air. Um, and I don't know if this was just uh, experience I had, but I found like when people couldn't go out, when they couldn't do what they normally did, they found they had so much more time that I had the randomest people asking if I wanted to join a Zoom quiz with them or, or have a video catch-up call. I actually did a, a quiz with some people that I went to high school with like 10 years ago um, that I'd not really spoken to, but everyone seemed to be free and were just invited us along. And um, it, it was a bit weird, but it was nice to see people again. And I think... That is what people missed in in lockdown, in that time of of 2020, um, was that sense of community. And I don't want to underplay or or disrespect how difficult this time was for for a lot of people. So many of us experienced real loss, um, a lot of frustration and a lot of heartbreak during this time. And that's not to go unnoticed. But when we think, and when I was thinking about what was something that we generally all experienced, that we all shared at this time, and that was that loss of community. When we were required to stay home, we couldn't meet, we couldn't do our usual activities, Um, we couldn't go do our hobbies, we couldn't um, go to sports clubs, no music groups, there was no work for some of us, and and definitely no school or church for for a period of time. And what I think I realised was these things that I did, what I missed most was the people that I was missing with. Have I turned it on? Oh. Which one? This one? The microphone. Have I turned it off? Oh, sorry. Bear with. Do I need to turn it on, though? It's dying. Oh, it is on. Okay, sorry. 
my um, assistant telling me off. <laughs> there we go. So yeah, what we missed in this time... I've said, I'll turn it off again. Can I just have it off? I'm just going to have it off. Everyone can hear me? Yeah? Okay. It's not on. It's fine. So what we missed in this time was that sense of community. Um, and sometimes you might not have even realised it until it was taken away from us. Um, that, that sense of being around people, that, that sh- we have shared things in common, that sense of belonging. Um, perhaps you were a member of a sports team, um, a running club, a mum and toddlers group, um, or even online gaming. These are things that we can do alone, but are so much better when we do them together. You can watch a sport, you can run, you can parent, or you can game against a computer, but what makes it better is when we do it alongside others in community. And I think it's something intrinsic that we we all share, that we long to be part of something. We all long to belong. And when we look at the Bible, right in the first few pages in Genesis, we see why we have this longing to belong. We were not made to be alone. It's not the design that God's intended for us. Um, If you're familiar with the creation story in Genesis Genesis 1, you'll know that on each of the six days um, that God ordered and created something new in the universe, light and darkness, waters and skies, vegetation, plants, etc., etc. And if you look in the Bible, when you read at the end of each day, it says God saw that it was good. And at the end of the six days of creation, God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. So just just to give you the context of the word good for God, entire creation of the universe, very good. But when when God is reflecting on on humankind, um, he's just, just formed Adam from the earth, and God notes this. It is not good that the man is alone. And then he goes on to create Eve. We were not made to be alone. It is not good for us. And this is not just the understanding of Christians. There's um, in sociology, psychology, um, it's just generally accepted that this is part of who we are as humans. Um, and in 1943, there's an American psychologist called Abraham Maslow, and he wrote a scientific paper titled A, he- a Theory of Human Motivation, um, in which he came up with a theory that um, all of human behaviour, all of what we do, um, comes from a set of needs that we have that he, he put in this triangle that he called the hierarchy of needs. Um, and at the bottom, you've got your yeah, physiological needs, and it always goes up. And the, the ones that are bigger are more important. Um, and he says that um, for us, after those physiological... I can't say words. Physiological needs, such as water and, um, and food and security... The next most important for us is to feel love and to feel belonging. He says that belongingness refers to the human emotion, human emotional need for interpersonal relationships, affiliating, connectedness, and being part of a group. So no matter how much of an introvert you are, how much you enjoy spending time alone with yourself, how much maybe you have social anxiety and, and large, larger groups give you... Um, are not comfortable for you. We all have a desire to be accepted and to be loved. No matter how successful you are, no matter how many experiences you have, holidays you have, maybe how much stuff you have, our contentedness is ultimately shaped by the quality of our relationships. And although we might seek to find these amongst friends, colleagues and communities that we're part of, 
I want to propose to you today that the best community is the community of God and his people and through a shared faith in his son, Jesus. And that is because in Christ, we can, in Christ, no matter who we are, we can all find true belonging, being fully known and being fully loved. In Christ, no matter who we are, we can find true belonging. Unlike other human relationships where who we are, what we can do, our past, what we have achieved, impact the extent to which people are willing to welcome us into their community, Jesus sees you for all that you are and all that you've done and all that you have to offer. He sees it all and he opens his arms and he welcomes you in anyway. More than that, he was prepared to die for you, to ensure that there was no longer any barriers from us being part of the family of God. In 1 John 3, um, he writes it in this way. He says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. I also like um, in, Psalm, in Psalm 68, it's, a, it's kind of a poem, the way that it's written, and it says, rejoice before him, his name is the Lord. A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. As humans, we were never meant to be alone. We long to belong. It's an intrinsic desire in each and every one of us. And God offers us a family through Jesus' open arms. And when we're part of God's family, we are part of the community of Jesus' followers that we call the church. Um, and the church can be quite a confusing term because it's also the name of a building. Um, you know, that is a church. And it's also sometimes what we call a Sunday meeting. We go to church. Um, but essentially, church is the people of God. It goes beyond just a building or, or a day of the week. Um, it is to be God's people. Um, in 1 Peter 2, um, he says, You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. God loves the church. He loves his people. It is his special possession. But what what does it mean to be part of God's special possession, God's people here in Reddish in 2022? Um, How are we to be the people of God? We are privileged now not to meet um, without any fear for our lives, um, for being persecuted, for living differently um, among our kind of culture but we are still called to live radically different lives. Um, And I think that one of the things that remains and that was part of the early church that we still hold on to today is we are radically different in the way that we do community. And unlike other communities where you might have a lot in common with the people that you're you're meeting with, for some of us, the only thing that we have in common (laughs) is our faith in Jesus. But we are united through him. Not only that, but just as Paul says in his letters to the Corinthians when he's describing the church, he he describes it as a body. He says, although we are united as one body through Jesus, the the church, just like the body, is made up of lots of different parts. Each is just as important, although very different. There is no one more or less important in the community and the family of God. And unlike other, other types of community, to get community together as a church, we, 
what do we do? Well, we strive to, to celebrate with each other. We did it yesterday with, with Sam and Carly getting baptised. Um, if someone gets a job or um, celebrates an engagement or has a baby, we celebrate together. But we also share in each other's burdens. We help each other when we're in need. I don't know how many times I've seen in our WhatsApp group a call for a, a lift somewhere, to ha- hand decorating, to provide a meal. We are there to support each other. But we also mourn together. Even if we are not going through something ourselves, we come together as a community to share in the difficult times of others. I know a lot of us have been through some really difficult times recently with health, housing crises, losing loved ones. And although we might not personally be able to relate, we come together and we mourn together in difficult times. But we're not a closed circle You're not part of our clique. We are here to welcome others and to invite others to join us in this community. Um, A guy called Henry Nowen, he puts it this way, which I just love. He says, life is full of gains and losses, joys and sorrows, ups and downs, but we do not have to live it alone. We want to drink our cup together and thus celebrate the truth that the wounds of our individual lives, which seem intolerable when lived alone, become sources of healing when we live them as part of a fellowship of mutual care. It's such a blessing and it is such a gift to be part of a church community. But for some of us, we may know all too well that being part of a church community isn't always easy. Um, It doesn't always feel like a blessing. Sometimes it's challenging for us or it's even draining to be part of it. For many, the reality of church community and fellowship falls far short of the ideal Christian community that it should be. Some of us may have been deeply hurt by a church experience. You may feel disappointed by your church community. Have you felt unheard, struggled to find your place, or let down by others? Do you just feel like church is hard work? For all the things that make church amazing are sometimes the very things that can make our church life more difficult. And as I said earlier, as Jesus followers, sometimes the only thing we have in common is our faith in Jesus. But Jesus' own group of disciples included people who had nothing in common. Yet they still were united in him. The reality of being united in Christ is that it isn't always easy. It is an environment that easily exposes us as our flawed and imperfect human nature. As a well-known phrase, you may have heard it, says, church is not a hotel for saints. It is a hospital for broken people. And for as much as we strive to live in an ideal Christian community, the reality is that we will never quite be there this side of heaven. For many of us, we look to the Bible in Acts, um, in Acts 2.42, and the amazing picture um, that we see of the early church, um, and it says this, says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All of the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property, possessions to give to anyone in need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. 
And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. It's undeniably an amazing picture of a church community. But I just want to remind you that the same church that we talk about, the same church in the Bible, is the exact same church that Paul was writing all those letters to. Yes, they were to encourage them, but they were also calling out all of their issues that they had. But the main point I want to give to you this morning is that discipleship happens between the ideal of community and the reality of community. Discipleship happens between that ideal and that reality. This whole term we've been exploring how we become more like Jesus. What things can we do? What practices can we adopt? What spiritual disciplines can we introduce into our lives that will allow the Holy Spirit to transform us? They're not means by which we earn our way into God's family, but they are means by which we are transformed. We seek to live the life and life to the full that Jesus has promised us. And to be led by the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. But I would argue that of all the, all the things that we've spoken about on Sundays, whether that be prayer, quiet time, alone with God, silence and solitude, Sabbath, they're all great practices to help us personally abide in Jesus, to transform our relationship and how we think. But realistically, the outflowing of this is demonstrated by how we live in community. Therefore, living in community, however unideal, is, vital, is a vital spiritual discipline for our transformation. We will surely not grow in our patience if our patience is never tested. Equally, things like kindness, goodness, gentleness are predominantly developed in our actions towards others. But on the flip side, how much more can we gain joy from celebrating with others? And how much can we be encouraged by the blessings that we see transformed in others' lives around us? Ultimately, Jesus asked us to love God above all else and to love our neighbours, that is our communities. It's therefore almost non-optional that as a follower of Jesus that we would live in community. Being in community means to belong and to have faith in Jesus means to belong to the community of God's people his church, his special possession. It's a wonderful gift and a blessing, but it can also be difficult. So as we talk about um, what practices we can do to transform us and to live better for Jesus, um, I just wanted to finish by speaking about what ways can we better practice community that transforms us, but ultimately it glorifies God. Um, And in preparation for this, um, I came across a book called Living Into Community, Cultivating Practices That Sustain Us. Sounds very relevant. Um, And it's by uh, a lady called Christine Pohl, in which she outlines four key practices that we can adopt that will help us live better in community. And I just want to run through those really quickly. And the first one is gratitude. Um, So in her introduction to the practice of gratitude, Christine outlines what the opposite of gratitude looks like so when we have an approach of ungratefulness or ingratitude in the way that we approach our communities she outlines that this can breed complaint envy presumption and dissatisfaction 
And these undermine human relationships, and they're so common in different communities. However, when we take up gratitude instead, uh, we thank God and we praise him for all that he's done, um, and, and we, we are, have that posture of gratitude towards others for who they are and for what they, they are able to do. This is vital for sustaining communities. And I know for me, if I am out of practice with being able to thank God for, for all that he's done for me um, and acknowledge my brokenness before him, I'm so much easy, it's so much easier for me to feel irritated and, and disappointed by the people around me. But when we see people as God sees them, as his other beloved children, we are much more likely to have forgiving, patient, and kinder hearts towards our community. So that's number one, gratitude. Number two, living truthfully. Um, When I say truthfully, I don't mean not telling lies, although I do encourage you not to do that either. Um, But I'm talking about honestly sharing your whole truth of your experience. What are you struggling with? Allowing yourself to be vulnerable in the presence of others. When we don't share our full lives with people, we cannot expect them to know or to meet our needs, and nor can we expect them to share their full lives back with us. And I think I've only just realised recently how how much I'm not very good at this. Um, And in the most loving and life-giving way, um, my community group challenged me on this not not that many weeks ago, um, and it was really a blessing to me. So um, I realised that I was not being truthful in the way that I was living in my community group. Um, as one of the leaders of the community group, I felt a lot of pressure on myself to um, have it all together so um, that I could serve people, that they, they trusted me, they thought I, was, um, yeah, I had it all together and I knew what I was doing. But in, in striving to feel look like to everyone else that I had it all together I was I was not being authentic in who I was I was not sharing and I was not being vulnerable with my community and most poignantly what I recognized what God spoke to me was that in not being vulnerable with others I was not allowing God to use people to speak into my life I was controlling how he would speak to me and I think for, for all of us, um, in, in her book, Christine says this about living truthfully in community. She says, Communities that love truth will make a safe space for the awkwardness of confession, forgiveness, and healing. Where truthfulness and confession are practiced, communities depend on the assurance that members won't abandon one another as they reveal their sins and weaknesses and move towards maturity and holiness. Truthful communities are communities of encouragement. So, gratitude, living truthfully. Number three, hospitality. We're nearly there. Um, And hospitality, what I've come to realise about hospitality is, um, and what I think the Bible calls us to in terms of uh, hospitality, it's it's like generosity. But unlike generosity where um, you're willing to give away something you have, uh, maybe you have an excess, something that you can, you can give to someone, or it's something that you're willing to part with or to sacrifice. Hospitality is, 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 is a different kind of generosity. It's a generosity that invites others to share in all that we do have. So it might be to share our homes, to share food, to share our space uh, and come amongst our family. And I think for some of us, it's easier to be generous in what we give away when we're at hands distance, but less easier 
for us to be generous when we invite people to share in what we do have. Um, but I think when we read that passage um, in, in Acts about that early church that we, we hold um, so great as a, an example of a great church community, um, what makes our, us go, gosh, that's so amazing, but also simultaneously go, gosh, that, that must be really hard. Um, you know, all the believers had, uh, were together and had everything in common. They sold property, possessions to give to anyone who had needs. They met every day. They broke bread in their homes. Um, this hospitality... Um, It's amazing to look at, but it's very hard to do. But I think when we show hospitality to others, what we're doing is we are acknowledging and we are demonstrating that we accept that all of us were once a stranger who was only welcomed in by God's generous invitation. Um, And we want to extend that to those around us. My last point I just want to make today is commitment. Without commitment, community doesn't exist. Because without commitment, relationships don't work. When I got married, um, we made a commitment to each other on paper, but without us living that out, um, sticking by each other in the good times and the bad times, we have no real relationship. I cannot run away from Dan uh, and look for another husband um, every time I'm disappointed um, or he doesn't read my mind and he doesn't serve my needs. Um, We've made a commitment to each other. No matter matter how much he laughs. Uh, We've made a commitment to each other to love each other in the difficult times and the good times. But what does it look like to to practice this here in Reddish? It's a bit of a weird one to say to you all here because you're here. You've committed to coming this morning, um, which is amazing. And it's great to to share this um, Sunday community with you. But I think for us to be truly transformed um, and to to see transformation in in our community, we are not just called to to sit in a congregation, to listen to to someone speak and to sing songs we like. Um, Church community is not attendance on a Sunday. It's a commitment to people to do life together and to serve one another. And I want to challenge you this morning that commitment should not be what best serves me or you but actually best serves help further the kingdom of God. And if we're not prepared to to commit to to a community, to get stuck in, to live honestly, to share and serve others, we cannot be transformed by the blessings and the gifts that community can be. So just to to sum up all that I've said this morning and just to invite the band when they're ready to come back up, we all have a longing to belong. It's undeniable. We want to be part of a community. And God invites us all, no matter who you are, where you've come from, what skills you have, God invites us to be part of his. And to have faith in Jesus means to to belong in the community of God's people, his church, his special possession. But it's not ideal. Reality is hard and it requires commitment, honesty, hospitality and gratitude. And as I finish, I, I found this uh, passage in Romans just really, um, yeah, really moved me as I was preparing this um, sermon. And I just, um, I want to read it to you, but in a way that it, as a prayer over our church, over me and over you. Uh, it's in Romans 15. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ Jesus had. So that with one mind and one voice, 
you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ.